the psychics agree that there was some kind of demonic force present in the house. Eventually, two of the world's most popular paranormal investigators would also get involved, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Although most of us know them now as the paranormal couple from the terrifying Conjuring series, in the 70s, Ed and Lorraine were paranormal authors associated with prominent cases of hauntings in the United States. Edward Warren was a self-taught, self-professed demonologist, author, and lecturer, while Lorraine was a self-professed clairvoyant and medium. In 1952, the couple founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, or NESPR, considered to be the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. They have investigated over 10,000 paranormal cases during their career, but are best known for their investigation of the Amityville haunting, which Lorraine claims to be their biggest and most dangerous case. In a documentary focusing on the Warrens' paranormal career titled Devil's Road, The True Story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, Lorraine talked about the first time she set foot inside the Amityville Horror House. The first night that Ed and I went into the home, I was fearful, but I didn't know what I was fearful of, she said. As I was going upstairs, I reached a point where it feels as if a force of water was coming against my chest, almost like a waterfall. It was the worst feeling. As she continued, Lorraine held a protective relic and moved deeper into the house. She added, I stopped at the landing and held tight to the relic in my hand. I asked for strength and direction in going forward. It felt ominous to me. At the Conjuring press junket in 2013, a then 86-year-old Lorraine was asked how the Conjuring house compares to the Amityville home. She said that Amityville was horrible in comparison, adding that whatever haunts the house followed them across the country. I don't even like to talk about it, she said. I will never go in Amityville house ever again. I've had a long career, and that's the only one I won't revisit. In their official summary of the case, the Warrens believed that the suffering in the Amityville house had left the property with a very negative energy and dark history that makes it a magnet for demonic spirits and the supernatural. The first family to make a home out of the Amityville house would know of this suffering when, on November 13, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr., the eldest, loaded a gun in the dead of night. killing started at 3 a.m. Ronald DeFeo Jr., or Butch, as he was known to friends, took a loaded 35 caliber Marlin rifle from his closet and quietly went into his parents' room. The first shot would go through Ronald DeFeo Sr. as he lay in bed. The bullet tore through the 43-year-old man's kidney and exited through his chest. Unsatisfied, Butch fired another round at the base of his father's spine. Roused by the gunshots, Louise's mother had seconds to react before Butch aimed the gun at her and fired two shots into her body. The bullets shattered her ribcage and collapsed her right lung. Despite the distinctive snap of each rifle shot, no one else stirred in the house. Just as well, Butch wasn't finished yet. Next, he went to the bedroom shared by his two young brothers. Mark was 12, John 9. Butch fired one shot into each as they lay in bed. 
Mark lay motionless, while John, whose spinal cord was severed by the gunshot, twitched violently for a few moments. Then, as he went to the room shared by his sisters, Allison, who was only 13 years old, stirred as Butch entered the room. He shot her in the face before finally aiming the gun at Dawn's head and shooting half her face off. She was 18 years old. By the time he finished, it was 3.15 a.m., the same time George Lutz would wake up when they moved in the house a year later. Butch then calmly showered, trimmed his beard, and dressed in jeans and work boots. On his way to work at his grandfather's car dealership, he threw his bloodied clothing and the rifle in a storm drain in Brooklyn. He reported for work at 6 a.m. When the police were called into the house, they noted several unusual characteristics to the case. First, all of the victims were lying face down in bed. After the police determined that the gun used wasn't fitted with a silencer, the gunshots should have hypothetically woken the children up. However, there were no signs of struggle and no evidence of a sedative was used to keep the victims placid. Additionally, the neighbors didn't report any gunshot noises. All they heard was the family dog barking. In spite of DeFeo Jr.'s initial attempts to present himself as an innocent lone survivor, the police would quickly see through the inconsistencies of his statement. Worse yet, as they determined the type of gun was used in the murders, they found boxes of the 35 Marlin caliber bullet in his room. After the police interrogated him to a corner, Butch confessed and said, It all started so fast. Once I started, I just couldn't stop. A year later, the murder trial would reveal the fraught DeFeo father and son relationship. Similar to the Gonzalez family dynamic in our first two episodes, Ronald DeFeo Sr. had high expectations of his eldest son and provided everything within the family's affluent resources to make sure that Butch had everything he could ever want. For his 14th birthday, he was given a $14,000 speedboat so he can cruise the Amityville River but the family patriarch was also a hot-tempered and demanding authority figure who often bullied Butch. Eventually, the young entitled boy grew into an unstable 23-year-old man who dabbled in drugs, fraud, and petty thievery. For the prosecution, the motive was clear. Butch was a devious cold-blooded killer, a powder keg of resentment that exploded and annihilated everything in his path that fateful night which himself would claim that he killed his family because a voice told him to, that he heard voices plotting against him. At his cross-examination, he said, As far as I'm concerned, if I didn't kill my family, they were going to kill me. It was self-defense. He was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder and was sentenced to serve six sentences of 25 years to life. Butch DeFeo passed away in prison at the age of 69 on March 12, 2021. The house on 112 Ocean Avenue still exists and has since been renovated to look less menacing chic to more cozy modern. Now described as a stately center hall colonial, the address has also been changed from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 in an attempt to deter paranormal tourists. In fact, a well-respected parapsychologist, Dr. Stephen Kaplan, the Amityville police, and even the local Catholic diocese 
have all debunked the Lux's paranormal experiences inside the house. In 1979, William Weber, Butch DeFeo's lawyer, claimed in an interview on People magazine that the Lutz's paranormal account of what happened, as detailed in the book, is a hoax. We created the story over many bottles of wine, he added, detailing a meeting he had with George and Kathy Lutz in which they discussed what would later become the outline of Jay Anson's book. George Lutz, however, maintains that the events in the book were mostly true. Soon after Weber's revelation, he and Kathy took a polygraph test conducted by leading polygraph experts in America relating to their experiences in the house. The results indicated that they weren't lying. As for Lorraine Warren, she maintains that the evil that inhabits Amityville is real. She died in 2019 at the age of 92. Horror or hoax, evil isn't imagined. Whether it's the dark nature of man, the paranormal, or a deadly virus, there are undeniable sinister forces out there hell-bent on death and destruction. And we don't need to stay a night at a haunted murder house to prove otherwise. Unless, of course, that's your kind of thing. You've just listened to the final episode of a three-part series called Resident Evil, A Killer in the House, on the last 24 hours. Don't miss out on new episodes, like and subscribe to The Last 24 Hours, or follow the podcast on Facebook at Historia Nijet, where you can get in touch, tell me your thoughts, suggest cases, or just say hello. I'll do my best to get back to you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>